0: You are listening to Sermon Audio from Coggan Avenue Baptist Church. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out online at www.cogginchurch.org. Amen. Oh, I'm just so excited to open in God's Word with you to the book of Jonah. Turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. As I was studying the book of Jonah this week... God impressed upon me to ask really one question as we get started. And you're going to hear the, that's in the prayer focus. It's in our time together. And here's the question. Have you ever tried to run from God? Or ignored His calling on your life? I wouldn't recommend it, but you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, I've been there. I have too. <laughs> I, I've I've dabbled in this arena a few times in my life in the call to ministry. I even dabbled with the idea of ignoring God's call when He started to work on me. You're not going to like to hear this, but it's just the truth. In coming here, no, 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 Lord, I don't want to go. But praise Him for the subject that's going to cover this whole series: His relentless love. Because he continued to pursue me, though I tried to ignore him. He pursued me, and his relentless love found me, and he was patient with me, and he kept on me, and here I am. And I look back now going, why did I ever hesitate? It's it's such a blessing to be here. But isn't that how it works out when God starts his call in your life? Many times you want to say, no, I don't want nothing to do with it. He pursues you. You run. He finds you. He brings you back. And then you find yourself wondering, why did I ever hesitate in the first place? That's a great question. Stop hesitating. Running from God's call in your life is is not a new struggle for me. it's It's not a new struggle for you. It's not a new struggle for anyone, really, because that's the plight of humanity. To ask this question concerning the things of God, even in salvation, but especially for the believer and his call in your life, this is the question. Does God know best or do I? Isn't that really the question? Like I would never ask a question like this. Sure you do. You ask that question every single time that you choose your way instead of his. And you actually believe, like I do, on many occasions in your life, that you really do know best for your own life. You really do convince yourself and think that God does not have your best entrance in mind, and you start to rationalize not choosing him, but instead you choose you. This is not a new problem. Adam and Eve had the same problem. It's the sin problem. In the Garden of Eden, God gave them the call. Do not eat. Of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. They thought they knew better. In fact, it's even worse than that. They thought the serpent knew better. And so they ate the fruit anyway. Well, there's consequences. You can choose no. And we're still feeling those consequences of original sin today, aren't we? Don't be mad at them. You'd have probably done the same thing. It doesn't stop there. The the, the Bible's full of stories of God's call and us as humans ignoring it or even running away from it. Remember Abraham and Sarah? Back when they were just Abram and Sarah? God said, Hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the promised son. Nah. What did Sarah do? Do you remember? She even laughed at the idea. That's why Isaac is called the son of laughter. What did God do? He pursued him and said, Here's the son anyway. And then something else crazy now sacrifice him. I mean, it gets on and on. Moses. He ran from God's call into the wilderness. God's love pursued him, found him, and brought him back to the Exodus mission. And thank God for that. It was a changing point, a a marker in Christian history. I could go on and on, but we're in the book of Jonah. And I think Jonah is the seminal passage, if you will, about someone running from God's call in their life, because that's what Jonah did. Can we not elevate the story past the fish for a few minutes, really for many weeks? He just has like an honorable mention at best. But when we think of Jonah, just, I mean, I used it in the video. I'm not mad at it. That's probably not a whale. It's just a big fish. But. And, and get to the theological richness of this text, that the story is about God's relentless love and his servant wandering and God pursuing him. It's really the story of my heart. You know, when you look at the story of Jonah, there's not much to see in Jonah that we admire. In fact, his disobedience is so laughable. Some people have labeled this a story of fiction as a divine comedy or just a fictional satire. If it was written today, you would think it was written by those, you know, satirical websites. You probably follow some of them if you if you have a good sense of humor or a, a weird sense of humor maybe. You ever read The Onion or The Babylon Bee? Right? That's, what, that's the kind of thing we expect Jonah to be written out of. Satire. Fictional. Not real. Making fun of the reality of what is. But oh, church, it's a real piece of history. And in fact, if we let it, it will reveal our wayward heart to us. So that we can have the desire to surrender to his relentless love. So let's do a side with these children's stories of this fable. And see it as a real piece of history. And ask God to do what he always wants to do. To take the mirror of conviction as we read his word. And put it up before us. So not just so you can see the wondering heart of Jonah. You can see the wondering heart of Todd. I'll share some of that with you. And your are wondering hard. And choose God instead. Let's read it together. Would you stand with me as we read Jonah 1. Just three verses today. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Just like many times it's come to you and me. The son of Amittai saying. Arise. Go to Nineveh the great city. And cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. Meaning the attention of their wickedness is now before the eyes of God. That's not a good thing. Verse 3. But Jonah... Though he got up, instead of going, he fled to Tarshish. From, meaning away from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found his ship was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. This is God's word. Please be seated. Not complicated, but convicting. That's what I'm offering today. Let me say it again. I'm offering something that's not complicated, but it is convicting. And here it is. When God calls and he will. When God calls and he will. And he's probably already calling you in some way right now. See it for what it is. The best for you. And go. Don't delay. There's what, one point in today's message. When God calls, go. Let me frame it a little different. When God speaks, answer. Let me put it in a more modern vernacular that I, that I think we'll get today. When God says jump, you have but one response. Yes, sir. How high would you like me to jump? Your job, your job is not to evaluate God. Church, your job is not to judge God and ask yourself, well, should I really be jumping in my age? Right? Do you really think it's a good idea that I'm going in this context right now? That's not your job. Your job is to discern the call of God and to answer it. That's it. I told you not complicated. Oh, but how convicting it is for me this week. There's just two flows or two turns in our text today. God's call, Jonah's response. God's call, your response. Again, not complicated. But we already know the answer, don't we? It's God's call and Jonah's disobedience. May it be different for you this morning. May it be God's call and your affirmative answer. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the text says, the son of Amittai. And the word of the Lord told him to go to Nineveh. This is this just a bit of historical context that we have to set the background stage for this great book. And it's not much there. But already in Jonah's title, what I want you to see this morning, it's a little bit laughable. It's a little bit of satire. It's, it's ironic. Do you know what the name of Jonah means? His name means dove. What is the symbol of a dove throughout the scriptures? You know this. Peace. So, his name means peace. And he's the son of Amittai. The, the, the name Amittai means faithfulness. Do you, have you read the book of Jonah? His name is Peace, son of faithfulness. Okay, really? Jonah didn't want peace, he wanted war with Nineveh. Jonah wasn't faithful, he was disobedient. Yes, the, the, the term or the title. Peace, son of faithfulness, is a, it's a great title for a prophet. But you're finding yourself thinking, is prophet really the right term to describe Jonah? It is. The, the word prophet in the Old Testament doesn't mean, oh, perfect one. <laughs> the term prophet means this. And there's lots of confusion about prophecy here today. And some of you are caught up in the confusion. I mean, I don't know your name yet. I don't know anybody's name yet. That's my fault, but I'm going to try to learn. But prophecy doesn't mean future telling. Did you know that? You're like, what? Some of you are sitting there going, wait a second. Yeah. The the term prophet doesn't mean future teller. The term prophet has always meant the same thing. Spokesman. The title prophet means mouthpiece of God. And that Jonah was. Good, bad, and ugly. I mean, that's who he was. The Bible calls him a prophet in 2 Kings 14. It says he was a prophet serving King Jeroboam. It was in the 8th century B.C., He was serving his nation. He's also called a minor prophet because he's included in the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. Now, there's some confusion, and it's not just with the kids here today. The term minor prophet doesn't mean that he's less of a prophet. (laughs) No, they're all bunched together in the Old Testament because they're shorter, prophetic books than like Isaiah or Jeremiah. But though he may be a minor prophet, he's got a major, major message both for Israel as Jonah is a living depiction of the nation, by the way. And he's a major message for you and me today. Also, don't discount Jonah just because he's so messed up. Otherwise, you have to discount me. You have to discount you. I say, praise God Jonah was messed up and God used him anyway. Because that teaches me that God can use me despite me. You know what that means? It means there's hope for me. <laughs> yeah, this messed up West Texas. Boy, there's hope for me. And if there's hope for me, church, there is hope for you. Stop letting your past disqualify you. Letting the excuses define you. The sin to keep you from serving him. Oh, you're going to see if he used Jonah. Surely he can use you and me. So Jonah was a prophet. He was a spokesman of God. He was a prophet in the northern kingdom in the 8th century BC serving King Jeroboam. And I want to tell you that because I felt like Jonah probably sometimes thought he was serving the king of Israel more than he was serving the king of kings of the universe. How do I know that? Because he's constantly disobedient. He's always serving the national agenda. What's interesting is he serves just decades before the northern kingdom is taken into captivity by Assyria. You're like, thanks for the history lesson. Why is that important? Let that sink in for a second. Do you know where Nineveh was? It was in Assyria. It was like the capital city of Assyria. So yes, that means God is sending his prophet to the nation, which just in decades would take his nation into captivity. It's a strange call, church. It's so easy to to judge Jonah, but it's so strange. First of all, it's strange because God is calling his prophet to the foreign mission field for the first time. Talk about foreign missions. It's right here. Yes, other prophets had spoken oracles of judgment against neighboring wicked nations, but never had God sent one of his prophets to an enemy state. That's what he's doing in Jonah. Jonah. Were they enemies of Israel? Yeah. I mean, literally, they defeated Israel in 722 BC and took them away into captivity. They were such an enemy. God says their, their wickedness has, has come before his attention. He can almost smell the wickedness arising out of Nineveh. Oh, and wicked they were, church. In fact, many scholars have, and this is, oh, it's, it's going to be so good for you. Many scholars have labeled Nineveh a terrorist state. Does does that sound familiar in our modern vernacular? And Jonah is being called to them to preach repentance so God can save them. You're like, ah, but they're not as wicked as the terrorist state that we have today. I mean, these people today, they behead people. Oh, yeah. Nineveh would not only behead you, but they would hand your head to your children and your wife so that they would have to carry it around after they beat you in battle. That's Nineveh. They would skin you alive and take your filleted flesh and put it on pikes or poles so that the world could see your humiliation. Yeah, the Ninevites, they would cut off both legs if you faced them in battle and they beat you, and one arm. So that as you were slowly dying, they could shake your hand, your one good hand, in mockery. (laughs) People have always been bad, church. That's the point. And God is saying, Jonah, your enemy, this terror state, these wicked mutilators of the flesh, I want you to go to them. That's the call. And so before we get all, jump up on this pulpit, and I get on, oh, almost broke it. And get on our high horse. And start judging Jonah. Let me ask you the question. How would you respond to a similar call in our context of our world world today? Hmm. How are you responding to the Great Commission, which is the call to go to our world today? That's the better question. Oh, I'm so like Jonah. Hatred can distract me. Judgment can blind me. God says your enemies need repentance just like you did. Well, we know what Jonah's answer is. It's a big fat no. (laughs) Not going to do it. I mean, we don't hear him saying those words, but the actions of Jonah, they're screaming his heart for us to hear today. God, I will never love those people. God, I will never Forgive that family member. Oh, wait, now I'm starting to step on toes. God, I will never go to Nineveh is what Jonah's saying. <laughs> God's like, okay, we'll see. Jonah got, Jonah got up, but instead of going, he fled to Tarshish, and he gets on the ship, and he starts sailing away from the Lord's will. Literally, Jonah does the exact opposite of what God asked him to do. He would have had to travel by land to go to Nineveh. Instead, he heads to the sea and goes the opposite direction. Literally, Tarshish was as far away from Nineveh, as far away in the known world as a person could go. And Jonah says, I'm going there. Talk about saying no with emphasis. He is saying no. And here's the truth that's hard for us to swallow today. That if you have a mindset to say no, and you want it really bad... There's always going to be a ship that will sell you away from God's will. And you can jump on it, that Greyhound bus. You can jump on it, that Netflix show that you just put yourself into. You can jump on it anytime you want to. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can do it. And that's what Jonah did. God pursued him, and God will pursue you. Where was Jonah when he received the call? Many scholars believe that Jonah... Was likely on his knees in the temple worshiping his personal God when his heart went wayward. Where else would Jonah have worshiped the Lord? It had been in the temple. You know the term Lord used here? You need to know this, by the way. Anytime you see the term Lord, all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's representing the Old Testament word Yahweh. Hebrews won't even say that term today because it's the personal and intimate name of God. The author could have used just Lord, capital L, then little O-R-D, which represents Adonai in the Old Testament. It's just like someone that you should respect. No, this is the personal name of God. What does it tell you? That Jonah knew God personally. He was an intimate worship, and yet his heart still went wayward What does this tell you? It tells you that even though you are worshiping God, you can still struggle with obeying Him. You can be here right now, and your heart can be hardened, not only to God's call, but toward God's creation. There may be a whole segment of our society, and I'll let you label them, that your heart is heart towards, and There's lots of terms that you would describe them with. None of them would include deserving of God's mercy and grace. That's Nineveh for Jonah. Who is it for you today? Why did Jonah flee? I think there's lots of reasons, and each one of them are going to be a great point of application for us today. But this first one I want to point out is that I think we're going to discover through this story that Jonah had a hard time separating his worship of God from his national pride and commitment to Israel. We read that Jonah served under King Jeroboam. He was committed to the national agenda. Here's the problem with the national agenda. If it's your number one commitment. When the national agenda goes astray, you're going to go astray with it. When the national agenda departs from the will of God, you're going to follow it. If it's number one, God has to be number one. Here's the problem with the northern kingdom of Israel. I don't have to get to America yet. The northern kingdom of Israel was wicked. The Bible tells us that they had 19 kings, which included King Jeroboam that Jonah served under. And all 19 kings were wicked. That means that Israel was constantly choosing their own way, their own will, national prosperity over serving the God of the nation. Now, if that didn't apply to you today, I don't know what will. And Jonah was influenced by their pride And their wickedness. In fact, Jonah is a picture of Israel. Jonah is constantly doing what is right in his own eyes. Jonah is constantly choosing national pride over his God given call. And what did this cause in his life? It caused a downward spiral that would eventually end him up at the bottom of the ocean and in the belly of a fish. We get to see the first two rungs downward in our text today. Look there in the text. After Jonah, as he was kneeling, He did one thing right in the text. He got up. But after he got up, he had no plan of going. He fled. Notice the text describes the downward spiral for you today. He got up and he went down to Joppa. It's not an accident that it says that. And then after he got to Joppa, he found a ship to go to the other side of the world. And he went down into the belly of the ship. He got up and it was downhill from there, church. And he continued to run until God caught up with him. What I want us to see just in the first three verses is just how far Jonah went to flee from God's call. And as we begin our journey in this text today, I want to walk us in to what I considered hard-hitting application. It's just about this point in the story, and you're going to do this a lot, by the way, so just get ready for it. Where you want to start saying, wow, Jonah, you knucklehead. God called you to go and you fled. At several points in the story, you're going to want to pull out that old finger of judgment. You ever done that? I'm an expert at that faster than any Well, I can judge you in a minute. Several times in the story, right about now, when he's fleeing for Tarshish, you're going to want to be like, Jonah, I won't point to anybody, just point to that blank seat right there. You're messed up. (laughs) You start laughing at him. You don't know what's coming. It's going to be bad. Ha ha. And it's in that moment that God's going to go, oh, wait a second. Just like your mama taught you. There's one finger pointing at Jonah, oh, but there's three fingers pointing back at you. All throughout this story, you're going to say, oh, wait a second, that judgment that I'm casting on Jonah, God is casting on me. So what's the application for you today? Here's the question. Have you ever behaved like this, pouted and ran? How how many times has your heart been running from God? And how today, this morning, is your heart running from God now? To better answer the question, let's dig into a little bit deeper why Jonah ran. I think some of it was national pride, but it's got to be more than that. What's behind national pride for Jonah? It's his thought that he knows better than God. It's Jonah's thought that God, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know who you're sending me to. And you must not have your best interest for me in mind. It's at this point that many people connect the story of Jonah to the prodigal son. Let's call it the prodigal son's story in Luke 15. What you're going to find throughout the book of Jonah is that Jonah plays the role of both sons, younger and older, very well. You remember the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15? We got a dad. He's a good dad. Represents God. He's got two sons. we got the prodigal son that we know is the young one, right? And, and he starts thinking he knows better than his dad, who represents God. And he says, you know what? Give me my inheritance and I'm going to leave. And he leaves and he goes into sin and he hits rock bottom. And he realizes he's at rock bottom. He stands up. He goes back home pleading in repentance. And what does daddy do? I'm <laughs> so good. He receives him. He runs to him with open arms and celebrates the return of his son. But then you have the older brother. Don't leave him out who just judges his dad. How could you let this wayward son come back? Jonah plays both roles. Early in the story, like we're at now, Jonah's playing the role of the younger son who thinks he knows better and is fleeing to the ship of sin. But later in the story, you'll see him playing the pharisaical older brother, where he actually starts judging God for allowing the Ninevites to repent. What's the main problem for all three characters? Prodigal son, older brother, and Jonah. Same one. They thought they knew better than God. The younger son thought he knew better, and he goes, I can take my inheritance now, and I'll be fine. The older son thought he knew better by judging his father for allowing repentance, and Jonah shows both qualities. Which qualities are reflected in your heart today? God's calling some way, somehow. Do you know better, and you're running from it? God's calling to a lost and dying world but you may hate them and judge God for wanting to love them and save them. Whew. This is all over me today. And when you start judging God and thinking you know better than him, here's what Tim Keller says happened next. You start assassinating the character of God. That's what Jonah did. You're like, why would I ever assassinate the character of God? Because then you can rationalize and justify your disobedience. I can almost hear Jonah say things like, Nineveh? No. You must mean somewhere else. Not Nineveh, God. Do you not know these people? The Assyrians are a bunch of twisted terrorists that are bent on overthrowing and destroying Israel. By the way, they're your people. Like God doesn't know that. (laughs) I can almost hear Jonah say, they're wicked. They're less than human they don't deserve your love and your mercy what you should be is raining down fire from heaven on them not sending me like a lamb to the slaughter to them Oh, in Jonah's disobedience, he is judging God. He is assassinating God's character, and he is rationalizing his disobedience. I do the same thing when I choose sin over God. I think he doesn't know what he's talking about, that I know what I want, I deserve what I want, and I'm going to get it whether he wants it for me or not. And I rationalize it. Rationalization is just sin. It's covering up your sinful disobedience. It does not honor God and I want you to know from the story of Jonah, he loves you enough to show you the error of your ways. So, how are you running from God? How are you running from God? How are you choosing a fleshly pleasure over his will, earthly protection over his obedience? I see this all the time in my own life. We see it in counseling with couples a lot too. You have one couple saying, well, God wants me to be happy. They take like a nugget of a sermon, right? Because God does care about your happiness. God wants me to be happy. And this is where they depart from God. They stand up and say half the truth, but then they leave and they say, and what makes me happy is living in an extramarital relationship that's not my wife or not my husband. So, my golly, I'm going to do what makes me happy and I'm going to live in sin. And they start judging God for not allowing them to be happy. They depart from the presence and the covenant commitment of God. And they run to the bosom of another. You ever heard of that? That's how it happens. I know best. It's no different than Jonah running to the bosom of the ship. How does this apply to you? It may not be extramarital affair. But it may be some other sin that you're choosing over God's command to not sin. It may be some call in your life that you're ignoring to ministry or to something else. God will pursue you. Praise God for that. The bad news is that we're all going to be there and have been there. The good news is that God is merciful and His love is relentless. The good news is God knew you would fail. He knew you would run. He knew you would disobey. And in Christ, He's made a way for you to be brought back again. That through repentance and faith, you can have forgiveness of sin. You can have a restoration, a restoration of the relationship and you can be called back to the path of obedience again. That's God's love that allows that. What I love in this story is that Christ succeeded everywhere Jonah failed. Which means that Christ succeeded everywhere that I fell. Think about it. When God called, Jesus answered. Instead of fleeing from God, what did Jesus do? He followed through. Look in this story. Jonah paid a price to board a ship of sin that would lead him away from God. Jesus, when he came, paid the price on Calvary because we fled to sin so that we can be brought back to God. That's your Savior. That's God's relentless love on display for you in flesh. So if you've not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're watching online or you're here today, that's the first call that I'm going to be pleading with you today to stop ignoring. If you're here or you're listening to this message and you're not a believer, you've never repented and trusted in Christ as Savior, he's calling you today. I can be very clear about that. You're on his mind. He's calling you. What you must do is see your sin for what it is, not what is best for you. And see, God's call to salvation for what it is, what is best for you? See the sacrifice of Christ in your place on the cross. See the power of the resurrection allows you to believe. Repent of your sin. Believe in him and be saved today. That's the first call. And if you would like to know more about that decision or make that decision today, don't wait. Don't delay. The call is today. In just a few minutes, I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to be standing right here at the edge of these stairs. If you'd like to talk to somebody about salvation, I will be waiting for you Today. You don't have to come see me about it. You can make that decision right where you're at. As everybody else stands in a minute and sings, you can kneel down right where you're at and say, Lord Jesus, I'm tired of running. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe you died in my place and rose from the dead. Be my Savior today. You could say a prayer like that right where you're seated. You don't have to wait, you don't have to delay. There's a number on the screen you can text, and we'd love to follow up with a conversation. There's a pastor just out these doors to my left, right in front of you or to your right at the information booth. They can talk to you about it. There's no excuse for you to leave here today not understanding what it means to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But many of you are looking at me thinking, yeah, I'm a believer. How does this apply to me? I think you already know that, but let's walk into it a little bit. What's God's call in your life that you're ignoring? Maybe it's a simple call, like a call to baptism. You've already believed. We got water. Let's do this. It's easy. Maybe for you, it's a call to membership. You've been coming for months or weeks or years. and like, this is the place I need to join, but just I'm a little hesitant. Well, we can fix that. Talk to a pastor at the information booth. There's, there's a class coming up on membership in February. We can get that all worked out real easy. Come talk to us about it. But maybe you're a believer here today. And your application is a scary one because it's almost one for one with Jonah. Maybe, just maybe, God is calling you to the foreign mission field, to people like the Ninevites who hate you and who would rather kill you than see you. And you're sitting there thinking, I don't know if I'm ready to make the cost. I don't know the circumstances. What's the sacrifice going to be? I don't know if I'm ready for that. I, 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 listen, like Jonah, I understand. I, I can sympathize with you in that. But I'm going to say something really bold to you this morning. Stop putting yourself in the place of God. I know it's a scary call. Stop thinking you know better than Him. He is God. Surrender to the call. Don't delay. Let God use you to take the gospel. To people who are here in our world today that are living in hatred, they're living in darkness, and they might even be a terrorist state. There's many people like that. Did you know that in our world today, of the 7 billion people that are on our planet, and all the people groups that we have, there's still 3,000, over 3,000 people groups that are unengaged Let me define that term for you. Unreached means that less than 2% of the population are believers. Unengaged means that those people, that people group, have no access to the gospel. Many of them are in dangerous places and many of them are categorized as terrorist states. If God doesn't call us to go to them, who is he going to call? Maybe God's calling you to the Ninevites in a far and distant land. Those over 3,000 people groups represent some 270 million people that if they died today, heaven would not be their home. What a courageous call it would be for you to answer that. If we don't go, who will? Maybe for you it's a call to local church ministry and you've been making excuses for it for years now. I've been there. I remember sitting in a pew just like you're sitting in today making a bunch of excuses making a bunch of rationalizations, but oh, can I tell you what it felt like to surrender to that call? What relief and elation I felt knowing that not only did I know the call, but I was willing to surrender to the call in front of people who now would hold me accountable. We would like to help you answer that call here today. Again, I'm going to be standing right here when we sing the song of invitation. Whether it's a call to salvation or it's a call to ministry, You answer that call. There's a number on the screen. There's a pastor at the information booth. Please, I plead with you, stop running and start surrendering. God, we love you. God, we praise you. And we thank you that you're still in the business of calling Yahweh worshipers to enemy states so that they can repent and believe. God, I thank you for showing us the evidence of that in Jonah in the 8th century. I thank you for revealing that with crystal clarity in the Great Commission in the 1st century. And I thank you that that is still alive and well in 2022 today. Oh, Lord, let us not make any more excuses. Let us not run any further. Let us not delay, but surrender to your will and your call today. God, maybe that's to missions. Maybe that's to ministry. Or maybe for one, God, as you're searching through the internet web, as you're searching through this place today, maybe it's a call to salvation for someone that's listening today. Holy Spirit, do your work. It's the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Coggin Church podcast. We exist to make disciples by leading people to connect with God, with others, through service to the world. For more information about Coggin, visit us at www.cogginchurch.org.